Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, the founder of Gateway to Freedom. Our next workshop is coming up July 26th through the 28th in Florida, just outside sunny Orlando. Space is limited, so call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY to register. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Uh, we're so glad that you've decided to join us today. My name is Jonathan, and I'm here with Stephen Cervantes. How are I you doing? I'm glad to be here. Thank you, brother. Yeah, well, uh, listeners, I just, you know, you know that we say uh, fairly regularly that we're a listener-supported broadcast, and that's true. I mean, the only way that you're seeing us or hearing us is because we've had generous, faithful partners come alongside and support this ministry, and we are grateful um, you know, it's, it's just always amazes me how uh, God moves in the hearts of you who listen, and it just blesses us to know that you're coming alongside, supporting us, um, being advocates for what we are doing. And so we are grateful for you. And uh, if you'd like to come alongside and partner with us, either as a, a monthly supporter, which is great, or if you just want to make a one-time gift, we would be grateful for that as well. You can do so at puresexradio.com and then click on the donate link. So, Stephen, we had um, an interesting beginning to a work session last, uh, last time where you said, Hey, Jonathan, I'm not going to give you any prep whatsoever. <laughs> We're going to talk about 10 things. You didn't give me any context. And then we dove into yeah. it, and it was like, man, this was great because you're really, you're really kind of giving us what does it look like to, to – what would it look like if we had – 10, for lack of a better word, like biblical rules to ensure emotional health? Like how do we bring these 10 things, 10 disciplines to really ensure that we are emotionally healthy people? And and last time we, we went through the first three, right? So you yes. want to give us a little bit of a recap on those? I do. Those and three. I have to tell you, I don't have 10. So the, this is a work session. We're trying to get to 10, okay, and maybe so. we end up with seven. I'm just telling you, I, I, I picked a number 10 because uh, we're looking for God's truth that will always work everywhere on any issue. So that's the work session part of it. You that's want me exactly. to come up with the other three. Is that what <laughs> Or we don't. I don't know, but but it's a goal. We have to shoot for some numbers. God, it can be one. Probably can't be two. God's bigger than that, but you know, it could be a seven number or a twelve number. I I don't know. So we we need uh, we need listener feedback. There you and, go. Uh, yeah. Hey, that's exactly right. If you've got something we missed and you go, this needs to be included on this list, we would love to hear from you. So yeah, send you can us send something. those to uh, the email address mypoint at puresexradio.com. 
uh, we would love to be able to, to get those from you. Yeah, biblical truths that transformed you emotionally. That's it. Is there one thing, that a Bible story, a verse, something? Because we're taking these principles, and you all know these principles. These are not new. Because if you've been a student of the Bible, God is very consistent and repetitive, and, and the things that set us free set us all free on all issues all the time. Mm-hmm. Is there not conditional things once in a while? Try this trick or that trick. That's what men are doing, coming up with little ideas and interventions, but God says, I can set you free. Yeah, and what I love about the, the Word of God is it is timeless. It's not bound by any particular culture or race or language. So this is what we're trying to do is is bring these timeless biblical truths to the very issue of our emotional system, right? Yes. So, so we went we went up. through 3 and I want to go back to the third one on repent. So first of all, can you give us the 3 that we went That's right. First you must admit you just have to admit there's brokenness in your system. You have to admit it to yourself. You've been on the journey with you all this time. You were at every difficult place. You wrote the script of what you would tell yourself and repeat and have done all your life. So you have to admit there's some things that you picked up that are not working, number one. Number two, you have to confess to God, to a brother, to yourself. You have to speak them out in confession that these things are hurting you. These beliefs, these emotional untruths are limiting you, Mm -hmm. and they're partially driving you to porn and distraction and affairs and attention and to pursue love. It's amazing at our retreats how many men are desperate to be loved, Mm -hmm. and they will do anything, use an object, a porn, a person, a flirting, you know, they'll get online, anything to feed their dry, desperate soul. So we see sexual acting out as an attempted solution to a broken emotional spiritual program. And so that's where we're saying, look at the emotional program. Use your spiritual tools. And that's what we're helping you today, we hope, to do. So number three, and I want to overlap a little bit on number three, because we talked about repenting as turning away from. But what we didn't say last time was, he said, all things could be made new. Mm -hmm. But before that occurs, you must repent of the old things. Mm-hmm. Or you cannot ha- be a new. He said, you could be born again, right? So that the things that started you don't have to hold you. You could operate as a whole new man right? if you repent. Yeah, I think of it, when I think of it uh, biblically, I think of it uh, in kingdom language. And what I mean is, uh, when you when you look in the New Testament, and especially when you look at, uh, you know, how John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Messiah, and then even mm. when Jesus and his disciples were going to, the message was what? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm. So the idea, the, the invitation there was, there's a kingdom mm-hmm. that you were made for by your creator. That's good. But you can't get in without repentance. That's right. So it's like there's this beautiful land of, if I could put it this way, of emotional health. Yes. Of like r- true love and sacrifice and giving and hope Amen. and all that. 
And mm. he's saying, but you can't come in unrepentant. So you, you must you, repent or turn away from your old belief to receive the new belief. Yes, yeah. Right? You can't drag your old belief and sneak in. <laughs> right. Right? It doesn't work because as soon as you get to the new place, you have your old belief. And, you know. So think of, I think of it this way, you know, um, not to get too down in the weeds theologically, but we are, we are told in Scripture that we are saved by grace, right? Yes. So it's a, a, absolutely a work of, of Christ. And so our entrance, I don't want people to think that our entrance is because we've done a work in terms of like, hey, uh, I quote-unquote repented, so God has to let me in his kingdom. Yes. No, it's actually acknowledging that what has been already done for you is sufficient for your entrance, but I need to actually repent and recognize that I'm, I'm broken and I'm in need of that gift of salvation through Christ. But here's okay, the, and don't give away too much because that's one of the right, things. I don't know, but, okay, but here's, the th- here's the thing, too, that I want us to understand in terms of this idea of, of bringing old beliefs into the new kingdom is that what happens, Stephen, in your life when, as a child of God, you begin to think the old system or work the old system? Do you experience peace and no. joy in the same new kingdom? Same old, same old. So it's like even yep. though we are citizens of heaven and citizens of the new kingdom, man, these old systems of right. emotional brokenness and everything can sure limit the peace that we, the, the experience of our lives in that new kingdom, right? Yes, so absolutely. So there's this, there's this battle that's still going on, and I think repentance is not a one-time act. It's something that we have to have an attitude of mm-hmm. because cause I don't know about you, Stephen, but I'm real prone to drifting back to my old beliefs, my old patterns, right. my old broken emotional system. And when I recognize that that's happening, repentance is the key to then getting back in, in, in shape, so to speak, in oh, terms of what good. I'm And ri- reminding yourself that that system didn't get you to a good place. Right, right. Right, that's good. So <clears throat> number four and number five are about forgiveness. So number four is about forgiving others, and number mm-hmm. five is about forgiving self. Okay. So we have to use the tool of forgiveness, right? God forgives us, Right. And then he asks us to demonstrate our love to others by forgiving and not being in judgment and speaking condemnation and getting on the throne ourselves. But because we know forgiveness, because we've been forgiveness, we practice it. So think about in your life. It's funny, as I was writing this note, an old roommate in college stole a girlfriend. And it's like, I have to forgive him. I forgive. There's a there's a hundred stories, maybe a thousand stories, where when they come up, you apply forgiveness, mm-hmm. so you can release it, so you don't have to hold it. Going, I'm never going to talk to him again. He's still a jerk after 30 years. He was a jerk. He's still a jerk. I still hate your guts. Okay, you know, there's there's this stuff in our stories that wants to come up, and and it's like God has given us the tools to apply. Do we confess it? Do we repent it? Do we apply forgiveness to it? Yeah, and I like the fact that you you establish the foundation from which we are able to forgive. Mm. Uh, we mentioned in the last session that so, fundamental differences in worldviews from a theistic 
perspective versus a naturalistic perspective and the idea that the naturalist or the secularist will say all the power comes from within me right Mm. and the reality is is the only way i think we can even understand forgiveness is from a theistic worldview the idea that there is a god who has an order and we have broken Mm. that and the only way that we can be reestablished in his order is he has to forgive us because we've all broken that that order. And so I think to establish the framework for me being able to forgive you is that I understand forgiveness of having been forgiven yes. by God. Yes. Because otherwise, isn't it easy to still have self-serving motives for forgiveness if I don't have that worldview that I've been forgiven by God? No, no. Easy other, to keep the self-serving, keep developing that thought. In other words, I could look at forgiving you because it will just end up being functionally good oh, for just a good thing to do it's like That's hey nice. I, I, but still have a self-serving serving motive of saying i'll forgive you but really i'm going to kind of still use that as leverage i can always come back and say i don't forgive you mm. and i'm not really going to forget you know and and still have a motive that says well let's see the if i forgive this person then they'll probably start treating me nicer and and still have a self-serving motive rather than saying i have no control over this person they have wronged me. I'm going to choose to forgive them no matter what they continue to do. Yes. I'm going to practice Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to continue to I'm put myself into an abusive situation. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I'm going to practice forgiveness because I have been forgiven by God, and I know how regularly I offend him. Well, and, and when we do our retreats, uh, men want to defend their fathers, rather than understand their fathers or Mm -hmm. forgive their fathers. And it's always baffled me. You have to fight for your father's identity and make him good. He always has to be good. And the reality is a human being has strengths and weaknesses. And often we have to forgive our fathers. Mm -hmm. We have to forgive our mothers. We have to forgive family members and teachers and people, all church leaders. We have to forgive and to pull that back into this context that we're talking about, about the emotional system, right? Yep. Think of that in your history of growing up, right? So to keep it kind of in this narrow lane, so to speak, of the emotional system, think about how others maybe poured brokenness right. into you that yes. then exacerbated the brokenness of your own emotional system. Like, for instance, you were mentioning um, about when, let's say, parents spoke lies of shame over you, and then at some point you go, and I'm stupid. Like, so now you owned it. Right. Part of forgiveness is then saying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive my parents for placing that seed of emotional brokenness mm-hmm. in me through their shame lies that they, out of their own brokenness, dumped into yes. mine. And that's perfect because it leads right into the second part of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I have to forgive myself. And this is where a lot of power comes in. And I don't think people realize I'm asking you to use forgiveness on yourself emotionally. Because you can say, yeah, my parents struggled. They had a hard time, you know, depression, no money. Their parents were bad, blah, blah, blah. But they forget the second part. But because of the pain they, they, they dumped on me, now I have turned on me, mm-hmm. and I have to forgive me for being an enemy of me and destroying me and speaking untruth over me. I have to forgive me for repeating things that were stupid and destructive and 
hindering and unhelpful that keep my system in turmoil. Yeah. And the best way that's helped me think through that in a practical sense is um, how has God forgiven me in terms of like degrees? Mm. Is it 100%? Yeah. Mm. So how then am I to forgive myself? And I tell you what. That's good. That's good. Let that hang a second. 100%. Do you hear what Jonathan said? The Father has forgiven you 100%. Will you use that same measure and forgive yourself 100%? And the difficulty with that is especially depending on the degree of those shame lies that have been spoken in that you've owned. Mm. This is not something that's like a weekend project, right? Mm. And I would really, I strongly encourage part of the way that I went through this even in my own recovery was spending time writing these things out, journaling about them. Mm. Like, hey, where are the areas of unforgiveness that I still hold over my own life? And what do I need to do to release that in the way that God has released me through Jesus to be completely free and forgiven? Mm. So we've gotten through five, Stephen. What are some other ones? Number six is your topic, grace. Amen. We have to embrace the grace that he has a gift of grace to give us. Once we have, we have admitted the mess, confessed the mess, repented from the mess, forgiven others for dumping mess, and then forgive ourselves for keeping ourselves a mess, now we enter his presence and see what he has for us. And what is it? Well, and so this, this idea of grace is... Uh, First of all, it's way more powerful than you might think it is uh, because in its simplest definition, it's just undeserved kindness or undeserved favor. And it's it's different than mercy. Um, I, I do think mercy is still a part of this, but we see that in forgiveness, right? Forgiveness is a display of God's mercy in, in which he's saying all of the things that you've done that are offenses that would justifiably need to be punished, I am releasing you from the punishment. That's mercy, Mm. right? Mm. So that's withholding what is the right judgment that we deserve. Grace, though, what I love about grace is it goes exponentially further than mercy and forgiveness Mm. because grace is God saying, I'm not just going to withhold the right judgment that you deserve, I'm actually going to lavish on you like a father all of the inheritance, all of the kingdom, all of the good, all of the benefits. All of... So it's the, it's the stuff that we don't deserve, but God is saying, I'm just going to pour it out on you. And I love it because when you, when you really understand and receive that kindness from God— that really starts to change your whole system. Yes. Because think of it this way, Stephen. Mm. If if as your friend, I operate out of grace towards you. In other words, let's say, okay, let's let's use this scenario that you brought up. You stole my girlfriend. Mm. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to beat you up. <laughs> I'm not going to hold this against you. Grace is saying... I'm going to give you all kinds of kindness. I'm going to, I'm going to give you uh, a, mm. a, a gift 
on your one year anniversary with my old girlfriend. I mean, you know, I'm just saying <laughs> this is extreme and extravagant, yeah, no, right? No, no, no. But it's the idea of saying I'm going to go so much further There's than so just much forgiveness, in that, right? And if now I let me ask give you this: and celebrate, you know, what is the just even the normal response that you would have to grace towards me? Is it to say I want to continue being a jerk right, against you? Yeah, I want to continue. No, to, no, no. It's like. That's what I mean by grace being powerful to transform our lives. We recognize that God has not only withheld judgment from us, mm. but then he's actually said, I'm going to pour on you the whole benefits of the kingdom. Then it's like, as I've admitted and confessed and repented and seen all of my deep brokenness and emotional you know, selfishness and all that kind of stuff, and yet God says grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Mm. Guess what that grace starts doing? It starts making me go, I really don't want to be a selfish person. God, I really want to be like you are, which is totally unselfish and sacrificial. And Does that make sense yeah, in terms of how great. grace actually has that power to transform us? And this word sort of bouncing around in my head about grace, and I think it's to be enjoyed. Mm. I think the Father wants to enjoy us, and that's what grace allows for us to be in a relationship of joy with our Father. Not because we did something right or we followed the steps or paid the fee or performed. No, he he shows up with his grace and then we just enjoy one another. The mm -hmm. maker and the creation and the creator, you know? Just enter this relationship that's it's like dad and son, it's mm -hmm. like, Let's go have some fun. Let's let's be alive together. There's some yeah, great that. joy that happens with grace. I think that's great. So number seven then becomes this 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 idea of discipline, practicing mm. discipline. When I was in Jerusalem, somewhere I heard this line: the the ascetic Jews get to practice the discipline of waiting on the Lord. Mm. They get to practice the discipline. Now, somebody else might say, well, that's a long, painful process. <laughs> but they framed it as, this is our assignment to practice a discipline of waiting, you know? Now, now I think that in terms of, of, um, of what we're talking about today and practicing discipline, somebody has this quote that says, discipline is really freedom. A disciplined life is a free life. Yeah. Right, because the order gives you freedom. Do you think a chaotic life is a free life? No, a life of discipline. And if again, if putting this into the biblical structure, the biblical teaching says that we are always in a state of, I'll use the old King James Version word, slavery. Mm. So we are either a slave, you could say servant if you like mm -hmm. that better, we're either a servant of unrighteousness or we are a servant of righteousness. Another way to put that is we are either a slave to godlessness or we are a slave to Christ. There's no middle ground where we're totally autonomous. In other words, if I am in my broken emotional system, if I'm saying, I want to go the way of selfishness, I'm a slave to sin at that point. Does that make sense? Yes. Whereas when by grace and through forgiveness, I go, I actually want to live as I'm designed. Guess who I'm a slave to then? I'm a slave to Christ. 
Mm. I'm within those boundaries. So the idea is no one is ever outside of some kind of line. And what I mean by that is if you were even in anarchy and chaos or whatever, you're just a slave to the enemy. You're a slave to Satan. You're a slave to that system. And what can... So what feels like, we, we see this all the time in addiction, don't we? What feels like autonomy, I'm making decisions for myself. I'm going to go look at porn. I'm going to do this. And and we have this false notion that I'm in control. Right. Where'd all those guys end up? Yes, slaves. They go, convicted, I'm out of control. Trapped, yeah. I don't have any control. And so I, I that's something that's really important for us to understand. So this idea of discipline if you're out there, listener, and you're kind of cringing, going, oh, that feels like a straitjacket. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what I've learned in my 20 years of recovery is that the most freedom I experience is found the further inside God's boundaries I live. Wow. Yeah. Not trying to ride the line and say, hey, how close can I get to? Because guess what? On either side of that line, I'm still a slave. Right. In, inside the line, I'm a servant to Christ, and it brings freedom. We're told that being a slave of righteousness actually frees our soul. Mm-hmm. Whereas being, uh, if I'm on the other side of the line, what may initially feel like autonomy and I'm powerful is actually, well, now I'm a slave to unrighteousness, and it will lead to destruction. Well, that's good. So you're always so, going to be a slave to something. Right, and the point is practice discipline. Yeah. Right? Practice discipline. And what specifically, I think... This is step seven. What's the discipline? The first six steps. Mm-hmm. Always admit what's going on, confess, repent, apply forgiveness, and receive grace. Yeah. And whatever's going on, always use these steps wherever you are because they're universal spiritual truths. So practice, because if you don't practice the discipline of these steps, you're floundering around, applying, you know, the latest psych little thing. And it's like, these are universal truths that will help you get your system cleaned up every day. Yeah. I want to add an eighth. Okay. An yeah, eighth. I got I got an eight and a nine. And maybe you're adding a ten. Okay. Maybe we're going to okay, get there. Okay, go. We can. You ready to keep go going? Go ahead. Because okay. maybe you've covered it, but we'll see. Well, okay. So my number eight is think on these things. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What's pure? What's honorable? Philippians what's four eight, report? by the way, is that you got it? You, and you pick kindness, self control. What do you do every day? Pick a word. By the way, I did that uh, early on in my recovery. I took Philippians four eight, and what I would do is because I think there's like eight things listed in there. Is um, for several weeks, I would just take one of them and say that's my focus for the day. I want to okay. think on whatever is true. So all day long, in every single interaction, in every single task that I had that day, I was Ooh. thinking, what's true, what's true, what's true, what's true. I want to think about what's true. That's good. So that's a good, that's a good part of that discipline, too. Okay, so I'm going to say my 9 for my 10 because it's a good one. So okay. what are you coming up with as 9? So, so my, my number 9 would be, you know, you're talking about bringing the biblical truths to, to bear on our emotional system. One thing that is absolutely consistent throughout the New Testament is this idea of, of one-anothering. Mm. And we need to do one-anothering well. What do I mean by that? We're told to love one another. We're told mm. to confess our sins to one another. Yes. We're told to pray for one another. We're told to bear one another's burdens. You know, yes. This idea of one-anothering. So there is a need 
if we are going to, we're talking about our emotional system here, right? Yes. How much is your emotional system tied to relationship? Yes. So the idea of when you're thinking about a lot of these disciplines that can be sort of worked on individually, I think also we need to bring that into the context of one anothering well. Are we doing community well, and are we being intentional about being honest and open in our community? Being in relationship, right, and being a church and being a body. And so my number 10 would be this, promote Christ. Mm. Everywhere, every day, because we're under attack, right? So how can you promote the message of Christ? You can pray, you can give, you can go to church, right? You can... Uh, encourage one another. You can read a book. Do things. Read your Bible. Do things that help build the kingdom. Yeah. And I think by doing that, what you're doing, by lifting Christ up, it's putting us in the right position. Ooh, that's Because good. think about it. Admit, confess, repent. What is that doing? We're surrendering. We're submitting our lives to the authority and lordship of Jesus. And like we mentioned just a minute ago, my goodness, being within his protective boundaries, mm. that's where freedom and joy and hope and goodness exist. Yeah. And so by promoting Christ, elevating him, we are putting ourselves and in the right submission. And make that a focus. The church is under attack. Churches mm-hmm. are closing. Secularism is everywhere. Do everything you can to promote Christ. Amen. Well, listeners, we hope this has been helpful. If, you're, if you've got some ideas for us, too, that say, hey, these are things that, that I bring the, the biblical truths to bear on my emotional system and they've been working, please let us know. You can reach out to us at puresexradio.com or even uh, follow us on Twitter at puresexradio. But we're glad you've been with us, and we look Thank forward to you. seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Yep. God Take bless. Care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.